Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our March 27th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. So, welcome to all you investors out there. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you all can do your best to, at some point, as a listener, call in and ask your questions. I know some people are hesitant to, or they don't like being on air or whatever, but. Maybe you can shoot me an email. I can answer it that way. Uh, your participation is extremely important to help us craft this show for you, our listeners. That's what it's all about. Now, there's obviously no requirement that you call, but if you can shape it to your liking, you're going to benefit more, as well as like-minded people like you who are listening to the show uh, as well. So... Our goal each and every weekday is to help you achieve financial freedom in whatever way that is for you. And we do this with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So so we want to have you ride our success. We want to succeed using not the way, not the thinking that is, not to say the opposite, but very different from what you'll find on Wall Street. Uh, And that's our goal at Investoc, at KPP Financial, we think independently. We don't just go based on the consensus because typically the consensus is wrong to some degree. It's up to us to figure out how much. Now today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you forge your own path to financial freedom. And we're going to do this together one step at a time, each show at a time. So our li- anytime listener line is open now, and I'm taking your calls live at 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. You can also watch my YouTube live stream right now. We are streaming live on YouTube, so if you want to tune in there. Now, the cost of oil continues to go up. Even though the econ- economic numbers continue to be weak, the price of crude oil is now at $60 a barrel. You know, we were in the 30s not too long ago. And there's actually been a big draw in gasoline inventories, which is usually rare. Usually there's a build going into the summer driving season, and then it's drawn down throughout the summer. But the supply, even though we have record supply, demand has been very high here in the U.S. So the economic numbers that you're seeing being decelerated isn't individuals, uh, I don't think. It's more businesses. Businesses aren't investing as much. They're not trading as much. And so the demand for oil, uh, I think, is higher in this point in the cycle currently than you've seen in the recent past. So uh, I think that's pretty interesting to see. And it shows that Inflation is likely to not decelerate from here. Usually the inflation rate decelerates with the overall economy. In this case, I think we're going to actually see inflation accelerating. Now, not run away, double-digit inflation or anything like that. But 
I think it's going to keep the Fed constrained a little bit from easing, right? They've already pivoted dovishly from hawkish, right, from tightening policy to neutral. And I think the weaker dollar, which I think is is still yet to come, and rising commodity prices, as well as a tight labor supply, will continue to push inflation up through the balance of the year. Now, 2020, that's a different subject. We, we, you know, we don't have enough data yet uh, to start figuring that out. But it will likely keep the Fed constrained from rate, or sorry, lowering rates at some point in this year, which uh, the odds in the bond market are pricing in north of 80% chance that the Fed cuts this year. Yeah, you heard it, this year. Now, they already plan to wind down QT, end it around the September timeframe, so the end of the third quarter. And that tells me that the next move by the Fed is likely going to be lower. It's just, will it be in the fourth quarter? Is it going to be in 2020? We shall see. But oil prices, commodity prices, inflation remains higher than you would typically expect in this part of the economic cycle. Now, Apple stock was trading lower, and we all know that the global iPhone business has been pretty weak, right? We're kind of at saturation with iPhones and smartphones, kind of everybody has them. So it's no longer really a growth industry at this point. And as a company, Apple has a 39% profitability margin overall. But their services business has a 60, nearly 60% profit margin business. So the fact that they're rolling out all of these services as well as a credit card, if they can be successful, I think that is something to watch because not only will it help Apple stock and Apple shareholders, but they're starting to encroach on other businesses. Right before their competitor was Samsung. For the most part. Now their competitors are Netflix, the coming streaming services from Disney and uh, Time Warner, CBS, or AT&T. Other credit card issuers, Capital Ones of the world, Discover, American Express, launch a news service. Bloomberg, CNBC, NBC, the major media outlets who people want to pay for for news. That likely is going to feed through uh, to Apple now in a lot of ways. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these services evolve with Apple because they're so large with nearly a billion people install, or a person install base, it's going to affect a lot of different issues. So now... You're, when you're doing an analysis of all these different companies, you're going to have to start incorporating Apple and what they're doing into your competitor analysis. Now, at this point, I think all investors understand that Amazon has transformed the real the, the retail sector, and it's collapsed. You know, legacy business, Sears, J.C. Penney, all the brick and mortar stores—not all, but a lot of them—but there are still online shopping destinations that continue to gain traction. Walmart's investing heavily, Target, 
even companies like TJ Maxx uh, and Wayfair, which is an online furniture retailer, are, are fighting back. Now, Wayfair announced today that it will be opening its first full-service store in Massachusetts, which I think is very interesting considering how poor the brick-and-mortar retailers have done. And you're seeing this now with the online retailers pivoting to brick-and-mortar. Now, what does that mean? Well, just like anything, it means there's a happy medium, right? Can you be successful in one or the other? Sure, if you're really good at that. But a strong leader is going to recognize the strengths of brick and mortar, the strengths of online, and do their best to marry those. And I think that uh, is how the winners in the retail space are going to survive is by having a dual strategy and it just goes to show Amazon, Wayfair, they're pivoting uh, to brick and mortar and that's not a trend I think that is just a one or two off. I think that it will continue. It's about leadership and understanding both sides. Okay. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein and I've got a save the date reminder for you. Steve Peasley will be returning to San Jose, California on May 1st. That's uh, just a little over a month away. If you live anywhere in Northern California, I encourage you, to, encourage you to make a plan to sit down with Steve for a no-cost portfolio review consultation. He will look at your portfolio, suggest ways to maximize your risk versus reward performance. And once again, that is Wednesday, May 1st. Space is limited, so register now at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. It's a fast-moving invest talk, and Justin Klein is here today for Steve Peasley, while Steve takes a few days off. We are in the last trading week of March, and you still need unbiased investing guidance because it can help you achieve financial freedom. So, Justin is taking your calls live. Step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, I have a question about a particular, uh, I think it's an ETF fund. The ticker symbol is M as in Michael, F as in Frank, W as in Wolf, B as in Bernard, X, MFWBX. We have uh, an IRA in that, and I'd just like to get your general opinion on it. Thanks. All right. He is looking. Let me load this up here. This is the MFS Global Total Return B Fund. And this is a loaded fund. So first off, I don't like it. <laughs> uh, anything with a load, any mutual fund with a load in today's world, not a fan of it. Uh, expense ratio, 1.84%. That's pretty high, especially you know if you're just owning a mutual fund. Um, you know, Our average fee for our clients is below that, and we're a full-service uh, financial advisor. So uh, I definitely don't like that level of fee. The Morningstar gives it three stars, so not great, not bad, just kind of average. If you look at its performance compared to the industry, in both 10, 5, 3, 1 year, it's all in the 50 to 90% range, which means it's only better than 10 to 45% of, of all uh, funds in the category. 
So below average in general when it comes to performance. Now it's a it's a mixed fund. Uh, it's it's total total return fund. So it has a combination of 33% U.S. stocks, 27% non-U.S. stocks, 36% bonds, some cash. So it's well diversified, but overall not a fan at all of this. Very average. You're paying a load as well as a high expense ratio. Get out. Run from this type of name. Diversifying your own, you could do much, much better. If you need help, give us a call. Send me a message on investtalk.com. I can look up the overall overall uh, performance of your portfolio and make sure that you're taking the proper risk, especially in this type of market where risk is elevated in general. Thanks for the call. That was MFWBX. That was the MFS Global Total Return Mutual Fund. Once again, try to stay away from loaded funds of any kind. Nobody should be paying that in today's world. And make sure your fees are at least average to below average. Okay. Here's a subject of our main talking point today. The reason why stocks are doing fine despite worries about earnings and the economy. It's kind of what I've been talking about. You know, this whole article, if you're following me on our YouTube live stream, it's all about, well, the, the, the backdrop of the market doesn't look great, but the market's still up 10% for the year. So how do those jive? And will that, that continue? So we're going to talk about that. I also want to talk about earnings. Earnings. How are earnings doing, not just for the S&P 500, but once again, I like to look at broader index, and the Russell 2000 is, yes, smaller companies, but 2,000 different names. So a better mix of the type of companies that are out there and a better sense of where corporate earnings are headed, and it'll be very interesting to go over that. Then I have other, a couple other ones. RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions. You, If you're near retirement or in retirement, and you're maybe you're over 70, you're going to be dealing with RMDs if you have a 401k or an IRA. And if not, hey, guess what? some point you're going to probably be dealing with them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and what the options are. And then the tax plan talked about bringing offshore cash back to America. And Trump had predicted $4 trillion in offshore cash coming back. How much actually came back? I think that'll be interesting as well. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I believe that every investor should determine their individual risk tolerance and understand how they should be invested. You can quickly calibrate your risk tolerance anytime by using our free online tool at investtalk.com. It's called the Riskalyze Questionnaire. But now I'm ready to take your questions. So give me a call, 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Your decision-making process can benefit from practical and unbiased advice if you consult with Steve or Justin. And on May 1st, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose to offer complimentary portfolio review consultations. So don't miss this opportunity. Register now at investtalk.com. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's take it through and ask your question on today's show. Try to do it sooner rather than later. We have about thirty minutes left, but it will go by faster than usual. Now let's 
talk a little bit about where the market is right now. You know, corporate earnings are expected to contract, contract in the first quarter, and fears of an economic slowdown continue. That's what the bond market's telling us. But U.S. stocks are still up double digits. Depends on what index you're talking about. We're talking about the S&P for the year. And the main reason is because of the Federal Reserve, right? The Federal Reserve has pivoted dovishly, and that is the impetus for the rally. And many market participants believe that earnings don't have to really grow at all that much this year as long as interest rates are headed lower, right? And that's what you've seen. And we've talked about that, how lower interest rates buoy asset prices. When you're running any discount models, the discount rate is the most important factor. And when you have a lower discount rate, the present value of those future cash flows become higher. And this enormous shift in policy, according to some, is not priced in to the market enough. And so a lot of people remain bullish on the market for the year. Now the big question though is, is this enough? Is the Fed ending QT, which won't be ended for another five to six months or so, and the prognostication that they will not raise rates at all this year and only once next year, is that enough to save the economy? Now, typically, I would say that's going to go a long way. It's already going to buoy the housing market over the next six to nine months, probably through the balance of the year, because we haven't seen 4% mortgage rates for since 2017. And so that's an area of the market or the economy that's likely going to accelerate. But what about the rest of the economy? What other areas will lower interest rates help? Well, auto, probably, to some degree. Now, they're dealing with an oversupply of used inventory, so that's an issue. But lower borrowing costs for buyers are likely going to be a tailwind for that part of the economy. But then you have to look at banks, because banks are the ones that are lending. And bank earnings expectations have come down dramatically. And banks are the ones that are going to lend into the economy. And if the yield curve is inverted, meaning the cost to borrow is now higher than the, co the, the, the amount of income in interest you're going to get for lending long term, once that becomes too tight, banks stop lending because it doesn't make sense to pay 2% on deposits and maybe only get 2% when you're lending it out, right? So that yield curve inversion is very, very important. And the U.S. economic data has maintained its weakness. City Economic Surprise Index is deep in negative territory and hit its lowest level since the summer of 2017. The Fed trimmed its own guidance, so they think the economy will continue to weak, weaken. 
Now, previously, the Fed had pivoted to QE2, QE3, and that's what I think they'll eventually get back to. And they've already talked about using QE as a normal, normal policy. Not just lowering interest rates. They'll go back to zero. They'll do QE. This is why gold has been strong. Because that's what's expected. FedEx, UBS, BMW all issued negative commentary for their profits for this quarter and the rest of the year. FedEx's CEO said slowing international macroeconomic conditions and weaker global trade growth trends continue. This is FedEx. They're shipping around the world from all types of companies. So don't think that this is something that is a one-off or a trend that's just going to change on a dime. Remember, Fed action usually takes six to nine months to feed through to the overall economy. So the tightening that they did late last year, right, they did four rate hikes last year, is still feeding into the economy. And even the QT that we're doing today is going to feed into the economy through the end of the year. So really, I don't see from a monetary policy perspective liftoff from their policies until next year, if at all. And the big question is, will the credit cycle have already turned over and headed lower? And then that almost becomes a snowballing effect on itself. So this rally in the market, once again, I don't think it has a lot of legs. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, a return of inflation could turn markets on their head. Warren's Northern Trust. History tells us that high inflation periods can be positive for value stocks, but less great for growth stocks. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at 888 chart The time is now. And if you act now, the benefit to your financial future could be measurably significant. This is your chance to sharpen your investing skills through a valuable online classroom learning opportunity. InvestTalk Academy. Enrollment in InvestTalk Academy will introduce you to a weekly series of live investing classes conducted by KPP Financial Principals and InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. You'll profit from a critical degree of focused mentoring led by Steve and Justin. Hear their full analysis of the market. Follow along with charts and data points. Understand technical and fundamental analysis. Develop the mindset to become a successful investor. InvestTalk Academy offers an unprecedented value for serious investors. Register now at InvestTalkAcademy.com. This is InvestTalk, made possible by KPP Financial, where they implement a very practical investing philosophy, independent thinking, shared success. This means KPP guidance is not influenced by promotions or sales incentives, and KPP principles practice parallel investing. So their money participates with client investments at equal prices and percentages, thereby producing shared success. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. And now Justin's here taking your calls, so step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Justin from Connecticut. I had a quick question for you guys. 
So I'm 30 years old, and uh, when I was in my early 20s, I made a bunch of poor financial decisions. I got myself pretty heavily in debt. I spent the last four years paying off credit cards, student loans, you name it, and uh, I'm almost out of debt. I should be out of debt by the end of this year. Unfortunately, in this process, I had to settle with credit card companies. So moving forward, my plan is when I'm out of debt, I'd like to go back to school and possibly pursue a degree in finance to become a financial advisor. But my concern is having settled with the credit card companies and having this on my credit report, is that going to hinder my opportunities in the industry? Because I've read some things about how if you have a bad credit report, it can uh, limit your job opportunities. Just want to know your thoughts on it, and I appreciate your time. Thanks. Good question. Uh, I don't know. I've never heard of anybody doing a background check on credit. We've never done that with any employees, um, so I, I, I guess it's possible, but it doesn't seem like something that would be legal, though. Um, I don't think anyone's credit history has a lot of bearing on their ability to do a job, so I, I, I don't think that would be legal, <laughs> but hey, you never know. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If somebody doesn't hire you because you got yourself into a little financial trouble in the past, then they're they're missing the point. <laughs> the point is, what are your skills? What can you do for that particular company? Um, you know, we all made mistakes in the past. We've all made bad bad financial decisions in the past. So I wouldn't get too hung up on it. Continue to improve your credit, improve your financial picture and focus on what you can control, right? Uh, it's old saying, control what you can control. Don't worry about what other people are doing. And if they go out there and try to get your credit report somehow, then so be it. It is what it is. But once again, control what you can control. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now, let me pull up, uh, let's see. Going to pull up. Need to pull up this real quick. So I'm going to talk a little bit about earnings, and not just S&P 500 earnings, but earnings for the Russell 2000, which I talked a little bit about earlier. Okay, and if you pay attention to what is happening, you'll see that. This is not just a one-time issue that earnings are expected to drop this year or this quarter, excuse me. This is something that you should expect for the balance of at least the first half of the year and likely there will be a complete earnings drop in 2019 versus 2018. Now that sounds dire and you might hear me talk about the bear market that we're in, et cetera, and me get, you think I am super dire, dire on the economy and the market. I'm not necessarily. Uh, you know, One of the big reasons, or the big reason, why you're going to see an earnings recession this year is the comps. You had this huge tailwind of taxes first half of last year into really the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter had the least tailwind from the tax cuts. And so, 
it's a tough comp for the first and second quarter of last year. So it's natural to expect a drop in earnings without some other catalyst, right? So Wall Street is now expecting constituents within the small cap Russell 2000 index to enter this earnings recession in the first half of this year. And this usually leads the bull or bear market. So if small caps, both uh, on the chart and performance, but also in earnings, are underperforming the larger cap names, then usually it's going to drag the large cap indexes with it in both directions. I talked about this a little bit on a market analysis on Investock Academy today about you, you have, I've showed a ratio of the IWM to the SPY and that ratio peaked in middle of last year. The major indexes didn't peak until October of last year. But if you're paying attention to the difference in performance between those two indexes, you would have known that that new high in the market that was made in September was a very weak high that was unlikely to be sustained for very long. And we've already seen another rollover of small caps versus the S&P. You had a little rally from December into mid to late February, but it's rolled over already. While the index is still kind of, you know, the S&P still remains near its February highs, the small caps have not. They're still well below. Now, one of the reasons for this is because financials, I've talked about this many times, financials are one of the worst places you want to be in this economic backdrop. At the end of an economic cycle, whose earnings are more cyclical than financials? Almost no industry has the cyclicality that the financials have. Because loan losses, bad loans, tend to go up two, three, four, five-fold in a recession. And small caps, Russell 2000, financials make up about a quarter of that index versus the S&P only 13.3. So small caps are struggling with that mix of, of financials as well as higher labor costs, higher cost of services and supplies. And so they're seeing costs rise, but revenue growth fall. So Wall Street earnings ex earnings expectations for the at Russell 2000 companies is that they expect to fall 14.5% in the four, in the first quarter and 4.3% in the second quarter and that 4.3 is only likely to continue to go down. Now they're still projecting a full year earnings growth but I can almost guarantee that's not going to happen without any major uh, stimulus. So I do think the back half of the year from uh, an economic growth standpoint, an earnings standpoint, will be better than the first half. But the big question is, how much better? How much improvement will it be? Moderate or major? And remember, in a recession, the stock market of SP 500 tends to go up. It's usually higher during recession during that period, right? It's worse going into the recession, the six to nine months before the recession hits. 
So keep that in mind when you're looking at the markets. Now this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we stream and broadcast Invest Talk live on the four o'clock Pacific time hour each weekday, and it's also available 24/7 via our archive podcast at investtalk.com. And of course, you can listen and subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And I hope you'll tell your friends and family members about Invest Talk as well. And now the lines are open. We have roughly 15 minutes left in the show. So we're taking your financial and investing questions live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the Invest Talk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, Invest Talk Academy and the KPP Premium Newsletter, distributed to subscribers each Friday. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open now, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve. Uh, Jeff from Louisville, Kentucky. I wanted to get your thoughts on long-term, maybe uh, five to seven years, what do you think about CRM Salesforce? I have a index fund, VOO I've had for 10 years, put a lot in it. I'm 30, and I want to play around with strong companies, not speculate on single stocks, but just one or two really good blue chip stocks to put extra money in for the next five to seven years instead of putting everything in my index fund. wanted to get your response on CRM Salesforce. They say they'll double in sales revenue so, uh, during this time. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Have a good day, sir. All right, great question. He's looking at crmsalesforce.com. I like what you're thinking about diversifying away from the indexes. Not only are people over-indexed, but in a market like this, in bear market, I do think it's going to be a drawn-out three- to four-year bear market. The index is just not a good place to be. You're going to see a lot of chop, a lot of up and down, kind of what you've seen over the last six months or so. So uh, I like that you're looking to diversify away, and you're looking at an area that has secular trend, tr- uh, tailwinds. And this is one of the first cloud businesses that has really scaled and planted their flag in the corporate world. And it's a $120 billion market cap, very minimal debt, I like that. But it's pretty expensive. Enterprise value to EBIT is 58E. That's high. It's about three to four times as high as I would like to see it. Now, it is growing pretty fast. Revenue up 26% every year, year over year. And that's been almost like clockwork over the past two years. It's all been between 25 and 27% every single quarter. Earnings, however, has decelerated a little bit. A year ago, we were growing a high 60% level. Now, last quarter, only 23%. So that worries me a little bit. And earnings expectations are being downgraded by analysts. Doesn't pay a dividend yield. Uh, return on equity is 13%. That's pretty solid. Now, let's look at the, a chart real quick. And... We had a high back in October, you had the sell-off, and we've rallied back above that high, but it looks like we're rolling over once again. So you're talking five to seven years, though. I think it's a good company. 
I think they'll continue to gain market share, they'll continue to expand their offerings, and the cloud space is exactly where I want to be longer term. Now, do I think in the next two, three, four years, you're going to get a much better buying opportunity? Right now, we're at $155 a share. You know, I do. I think we're going to get a much better buying opportunity. So I would say reduce your position in VOO, which is the S&P 500 index, and start scaling in, right? Not say buy it all right here, but buy a little bit today, scale in from here down into, uh, I think this could get back into the uh, below $100 a share, 80, 90, 100, somewhere in there. I think that's where long-term, that would be a fantastic buying opportunity. Do I think that's today? I do not, even though it sold off a little bit from its all-time highs. Uh, so I like your thought process. I like where you're looking. And I like that you're thinking five, seven years out because no matter where you are in the market, you're probably going to see a lot of volatility over the next few years as we transition from a world of constant money printing into what the next thing is, which who knows where central banks pivot next in the next recession. So I like your thought process. I like the name, but don't throw it all in right now. Scale in as we see sell-offs in CRM and other type of secular names that I think will do well, uh, even though we're going into a recession. 888 chart 888 That's get, how you get through and ask your question on today's show. 10 minutes left, so give your call now. Let's talk a little bit about required minimum distributions. Required minimum distributions. Now this is something, if you don't know, if you have a 401k or an IRA, at 70 and a half, you need to start taking money out. Now there's some calculations that your broker will likely help you with in figuring out how much that should be each year. But you need to do it. Otherwise, you're penalized and it's, it's a big pain. Uh, now, the problem, the main reason this happens is because the government wants their money. right? When you put money into a 401k or an IRA, you write that off in your taxes. You're not paying money on that taxes today. But in the future, when you take the money out, you are. And so eventually, you can't just sit there and keep it in there forever. The government wants their money. And so you have to take that out. And guess what? That's taxes. That's taxes. Uh, it's income to you that you have to pay taxes on. So that's how they get their money. Now you can pull that money out and do really whatever you want with it. You could pay down your mortgage. That's not a bad way to go if you have one, especially if you're over 70. You probably need to pay down that mortgage, guarantee yourself that rate of return uh, of whatever your mortgage rate is. You could put it into a Roth IRA. That's one way of doing it as well. And after the break, I'm going to get to a little bit more options I think that you should consider when taking that RMD or having to take that RMD that might soften the blow of paying those taxes. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And the year seems to be moving as fast as the market. As for you, there's certainly plenty of investment options to consider. And we still have 10 minutes remaining in today's program, and you can get your question in now at 888-99-CHART. Hi. 
On the next Invest Talk, Northern Trust is warning that a return of inflation could turn markets on their head. That story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers. He's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Eight eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. Let's go to David in Santa Fe. How you doing, David? Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You want to talk about real estate? Um, a little bit of real estate, a little bit of uh, just my my plan here. I was planning on uh, retiring here probably in the next uh, five years or so. I'm about I'm fifty, and um, okay. or at least trying to retire. But I was wondering what Congrats. good I mean, things would be to invest retiring in. Presently, I've invested in uh, real estate. Okay. And uh, I have a, like four properties. Um, basically, I okay. only owe like 200 grand, and I'm debt-free. Gotcha. Debt-free. So is that your going to be your primary source of income uh, in retirement? Is Are those real estate properties? Yes, they are. Okay. Uh, and what about any other type of savings like uh, 401k, IRA, pension, etc.? I, ha- I have a little 401k, but I think it's got like maybe 15000 maybe 20000 in it. I don't exactly know. Okay. It's like I gotcha. put it so in there and I forgot lot. about it. Gotcha. So you, you, you feel comfortable with these properties that's going to provide you with enough income to keep you going in retirement? Uh, no, that's why I'm calling. Ha, I see. Gotcha. Okay. So, so you're going to retire at 50, but you, how are you planning to get the extra income above the real estate, uh, investments to support yourself? Well, that's why, that's why I was asking, is there anything that you would recommend to invest in? Well, you're going to need capital. Uh, so it sounds like your so it sounds like your your whole net net worth really is tied up. Most of your net worth is tied up in the equity of these properties, correct? Essentially, yes. Okay. And are these like properties located? Okay. And your these properties are they located in California? Yes, they are. Okay. Now. For the most part, properties in California, and I, I, I have to look at your properties in more detail, but your cap rate's only going to be in the neighborhood of 3 to 4%, right? Yeah, I'm averaging about 4%. Okay. Now, what you could do, uh, and I'd have to go in more detail, is sell a property or two, cash that out, and you're much more, you're likely to get a much higher rate of return from other types of investments, corporate bonds, for example. You know, we have a strategy that yields right now about five and a half, six percent, uh, and that's going to give you an extra boost of income. Uh, so that's uh, an idea, as well as diversify your portfolio or your assets into other areas, because uh, I worry that while real estate can be a very good investment, 
Typically, it's best in areas where cap rates are much higher, six, seven, eight percent higher than the cost to borrow. Uh, and in California, it's very hard to, to find those type of investments. So that would be my first instinct. Once again, I have to really look at your portfolio as a whole or your, your total assets to understand how you can get enough income to sustain yourself in retirement. So I, I would, once again, this is more of a detailed conversation. If you want, you can go to investtalk.com, shoot me an email, maybe with a little more information on the properties, you know, the, the, the value, the income, the mortgage you might have on it, uh, what your monthly expenses are, those type of things that we can start nailing down your needs and what you can do, adjustments you can make to improve that income level so that you can retire because frankly unless you can garner enough income relatively safely then you're not gonna be able to retire you're gonna have to go back to work yeah no i get it Does that makes sense I, david but i figured yeah no yeah. i don't owe anything on the properties oh okay well properties that's good so that's the start so, okay so let's again Shoot me an email. Just let me, give me the cities. You know how many bedrooms and bathrooms, and and what uh, what value maybe Zillow uh, Zestimates uh, that you have for those properties, and then your monthly expenses. And I can start giving you a sense of how you should uh, maybe adjust yourself, adjust your uh, positions in real estate, so that you can retire. Thanks, David. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. And I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Tomorrow's a new day, and you'll have lots of market questions, I am sure. So please come back to us. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.